Boy, that's a, that's a good fitting song for the message too because what we're going to look at in Acts chapter 4, Peter and James get released by the council. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. They get released by the council. Last time we were together, which was just under a month ago, for in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, not in, not in service, but in the book of Acts, Peter and John had been brought forth before the council, and they had been commanded not to preach Christ. And Peter gives an incredible answer in verses 18 and 19, says, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more, more than unto God, judge ye. Look at that. Verses 18 and 19, let's read that. And they commanded them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter, and Aunt, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. My. And then they go on and threaten them again. We see in verse 20 there, 21. They go, they go on and threaten them again. But they've... They, they don't fear man. In this council, they wanted to punish Peter and John. But, but beloved, they couldn't because 8,000 people being converted, remember? And if they, if they went and punished them, they'd have a riot on their hands. And they knew it. They knew it. <clears throat> because that would be unjust, wouldn't it? Just for preaching the name of Christ. Oh my. So these ungodly leaders of Israel, they knew that, that an uproar would come about. It, probably one that they couldn't handle. That's a lot of people, 8,000 people. If they inflicted any kind of punishment on God's servants, they, they, they knew something would happen. And remember, they couldn't find any fault about the miracle. None at all. They couldn't deny that the miracle happened because it happened right in front of a bunch of folks. And then, and then that man went leaping and jumping and praising God into the temple and even more people saw him. And they said, that's the fellow who was begging at the gate called Beautiful. Look, he's jumping. Could you imagine that? His brother, said, John, or his brother Travis said about, about John seeing Christ face to face. My, we can't even imagine it. Could you imagine these people seeing this, this lame man? He's jumping up and down. Didn't go to no doctor. Didn't go to no physical therapy. He's made whole. What a picture of us, beloved. Lame and can't walk. And God restores us spiritually, doesn't he? We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, my it's wonderful. Saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we see that they, they stopped the gainsayers by putting that question before them. Who should we obey, you or God? Wow. They, what a question. That, that's an incredible question. <clears throat> so they had no choice. And you know why? you know why they had no choice in the matter either? More importantly, why they had no choice in the matter but to let them go? Because our sovereign, majestic God is in control of all things. And they couldn't do anything but let them go. What peace that can give us. My, oh my. Let us never lose sight of that God-honoring truth, beloved. That Jesus Christ, our risen and exalted Lord, works all things after the counsel of his own will. Now let's read verses 23 to 31 of Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> 23 to 31. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, 
they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. This is the second time that one accord's been mentioned. They're all in unity, beloved. And said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? That's in Psalm 2. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. Everyone was against him. Look at that. Everyone was against him. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. What a verse. Look at that. What a verse, beloved. Our God is in full control, even today. Do you know that? you know that? Someone asked me about the election coming up. I said, I'm not worried. God's going to put in power whomever he's going to put in power. And he's going to protect me either way. Right? Our God's in control, beloved. He's in control. How long has he taken care of this church here? Years. He's been around since the 1800s. And he's kept this church and kept this church and kept this church, hasn't he? And here we are today. And the gospel's going out all around the world now. Oh, my goodness. What a great God we have. For to do whatsoever thing like thy hand and thy counsel determined before it to be done. Let us just burn that into our hearts. Right? It was God's will to save us. It's God's will to keep us. And it's God's will one day to take us home. We just don't know when that is, do we? But he will. He'll take us home. And now, Lord, hold thy threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Brother, Brother Brian, you said something today in your prayer. Sunday school, that, that is so vital. Why is the word of God preached? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Brother Brian, Brian in, in his prayer in Sunday school, said, Lord, save souls. That's the whole reason we're here, so the gospel can go out. Do you know that? Isn't that wonderful? So we can gather together as believers and have fellowship and, and rejoice in the gospel of Christ. But the most important thing being done here is preaching the gospel so that it can go out into the world. And we all get the benefits of it. And we are, we are a little church in Elmont, Michigan. And the, and the word's going out all over. And we get to gather together in love and have the fellowship we have on this earth. It's wonderful. As I said, you guys are my family. The Lord knits our hearts together, but we're here in one accord, right? For the furtherance of the gospel. Paul said, Paul's lying in prison. We're going to look at this in Philippians. This is amazing. He's in prison. So Philippians is, a, is a, a prison epistle. He's in prison, man. He's, he's, in, he's in a bad, you know, but he says, he says, well, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, right? And then he says, these things have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. His bonds. See, he had a, he had a handle, didn't he, on all things work for the good, for those who are the called, right? He knew that, that God was working out his will and purpose even when he was in bonds. So no, wonder, no matter what state we find ourselves in, God is working his will and purpose in our life. And we can, we can rest and trust in our sovereign God. Whether the circumstance to us seems to be bad or good, it's all working out for our good. Isn't that amazing? What peace that can give us in the midst of trials and tribulations and anxieties and whatever else comes along, right? It's wonderful. My, oh, my. It says, And now, Lord, behold thy, their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. That's the preaching of the gospel. By stretching forth thine hand to heal that, thy, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the whole, thy, thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Now I named the message prayer, but we could, we could name it multiple titles. You know, God, God works out his will. God's will will be done. God's determinate counsel fulfilled. Right? My. But look at this. <clears throat> After Peter and John and that man who was healed, because remember the man was in the midst with them? They were released. They went to their own company. That, that, that lame man went with them. <laughs> He's part of the body of Christ. Right? Went with them. Oh, they were released to their own company. And what did Peter and John do? Did they go, oh, they threw us in jail. Oh, my, we, we had such a tough time. No. no, they glorified God, didn't they? They said, look, we were set forth before that council, and praise be to God. God gave us the words to speak. And he protected us through the whole thing. The heathen raged against us, and he protects us. Man, do you imagine how fired up the saints would get with that? Oh, my. And when they heard the report, and all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them, those, those who had the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them, their company, they had a prayer meeting. They gave glory to God. They gave them all the glory and honor and praise. We see they immediately went to prayer. What a wonderful teaching we have here. No matter what we go through as believers, we are to go to the Lord in prayer. Right? And we can go anytime. And nothing's too small. Nothing's too big. Nothing. We can take anything to him. Anything. My. And... We can learn also in this portion that when we pray, we're to approach the true and living God. We're to approach him in the, in the way they approached him here. No matter, again, what the situation may be, let us always remember that our God, he's sovereign. He's still sitting on the throne, isn't he, Brother Travis? He hadn't moved. He's not moved at all. He's still sitting there. He's still reigning. Is, is, is anything happening outside his will, Brother Brian? Nothing, eh? Nothing. Nope. Nothing at all. He's working his will out. All according to his divine purpose. We see that in verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Before. When When before? Before the foundation of the world, right? Amen. We're, do you know, Brother Donnie mentioned this yesterday. Before there was ever any angels, before there was ever any stars, before there was ever any world, <clears throat> God chose us in love in Christ. And not because there's any good in us. Matter of fact, we're just full of sin, aren't we? But God chose us in Christ. He chose to have mercy on us. Did we have anything to do with that choice? Isn't that amazing? And then, and then God lets us in on it when we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> and you couldn't hold a sinner back that's been born again from Christ, can you? No. My. And that sinner wouldn't want to jump out of God's hand, would he? Like that my friend of mine said. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lord, keep me or I fall. Right? Keep me or I perish. Oh my. What a savior. What a redeemer is Jesus Christ our Lord. And he, he right now, he sovereignly sits upon his throne right now. He's not waiting to rule, is he, Brother Charlie? He's ruling right now, isn't he? Amen. He's, he's, he, got the, he got the scepter of the universe in his hands. 
mile, mile. Not even a bird. A little bird. Insignificant to us, right? Little bird. There's, there's billions of them. Not one of those birds falls to the ground without him knowing. My, what a savior. That's our king. That's our savior. The one who has all power and might. And this is who they're praying to. They're praying to the king. Oh, my. We should never approach our great God with the sinful thought that our situation is hopeless. You know that? God's going to work out for our good and his glory. It might not be the way we think it's going to work out, but he's going to take care of us. God's people aren't hopeless. We have a hope, don't we? We have a hope that's sure and steadfast. And that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Any hope outside of him is just sinking sand, isn't it? Any hope in yourself or any hope in anything you do or say, it, it's just sinking sand. It'll drag you right to hell. Oh, but in Christ, he's our hope. He's our king. You know, he's the sovereign controller. You know that? The supreme controller. There's no one above him. And yet man thinks that he can twist his arm. And man thinks that, that, that uh, they can resist his power. That's why we call it irresistible grace. If God's drawn a sinner to Christ, will that sinner be drawn to Christ? Or will they say, nah, I don't want this to happen. If God's drawn a sinner to Christ, that means they're one of his sheep. And he said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. Isn't that wonderful? He'll never cast us out, beloved. And this is who they went to. This is who they're rejoicing with in prayer. See, the gods of wood and stone which were worshipped then were nothing but helpless false deities. They're, they're, people hoped in them, but there's no, they, they can't do anything. They're just wood and stone. They can't do anything. But when we approach our king, we approach the true and living God. We approach the Lord, the supreme controller. That's who we approach, beloved. The one who saved our souls. I preach a work already done by Christ. It's already finished. My, and it's finished. It is finished means it's finished. We just look to Christ, don't we? By God-given faith. And we live. Isn't that wondrous? And that's the stumbling block. Christ is the stone of stumbling. That faith is just in him. I remember talking to someone I love dearly and they said, is that, you just look to Christ? You just look to Christ. There's, not, there's nothing I have to do. There's nothing you have to do. And if you look to Christ, that, that's because God gave you faith to look to Christ. Isn't that wonderful? If you're trusting in Christ right now, God's done a work of grace in you. Isn't that amazing? My. And the same God that did a, did a work of grace in you, right, that started that work, He's going to finish it, isn't he? And he's going to take you home. And take me home. Be with him forever. Praise his mighty name. Look at verses 20. Look at verse 24 here. <clears throat> and when they heard her, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Thou art God. They, they're proclaiming him. He's God. They're proclaiming all the other gods are false gods there. There's only one true, and look at that, capital G, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. So marvel that they're being moved by the Holy Spirit of God as they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They're, they're born again, beloved. 
And they're lifting up their voices in praise. And they said, Lord, thou art God. Who's the Lord? That's Jehovah. That's the Logos. That's the word of God. Thou art God. They're saying, Christ, you're God. You're the Messiah. Which has made heaven and earth. And notice they're all like-minded. They're all united in the spirit. They're not divided. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and I said, isn't it? We were talking about how much of a shame it is that, that God's people have now been divided into denominations. That's all man. That's all man, beloved. Just divided. And, well, I don't agree with that guy, what he's saying here, so I'm going to go over here, and I'm going I'm to be over here. Or, yeah, that guy, he ain't preaching the gospel. So I'm going to go over here, and we're going to preach the one true gospel. Divided by man. When I hear a man's preaching the gospel, I rejoice, do you? I rejoice in that. I say, praise be to God, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. Oh, my. And they lifted up their voices with one, one united mind to God. One united mind to praise. They gave him all the glory together, didn't they? And who are they giving it to? They're giving it to the Lord. Who's God? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do we know that? How do we know that they were praying to, to God who is the creator, how do we know they were praying to Christ? Turn, if you would, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. The answer is right in the scriptures. The one they're praying to is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ because he created all things by the word of his power. This is so clearly brought forth here. See, but they're taught by the Holy Spirit of God, that truth, right? Just as we're taught that truth. That God, the Holy Spirit, is the creator. Or, or God, God, the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator. The Holy Spirit teaches us these things. Look at this, John chapter 1, verse 1, right? In the beginning was the Word. Okay? Well, there's the Word. Who is the Word? Well, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, says, right? So the Word was with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And then it also tells us he was God. He was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things. Remember, remember in, they were over there in Acts 24, they're saying, Thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Look at this. All things were made by him. By who? By the word. By the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. Then look at verse 14. Look at verse 14 in John chapter 1. This is, this is, it just tells you right there. Just so clear. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, saying, This is he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. He was before he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by who? Jesus Christ. There he is. He's identified. The word became flesh. So we know from comparing scripture to scripture here that the one who created the world was Christ and everything that's in it. So with that, we can go back here to our text in Acts 4.24 and we see that they said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They're praising Christ. They're praising the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved. Isn't that wonderful? 
And again, they're all united. They're in one accord. They have the same spiritual mind. They have the same Holy Spirit within them, dwelling them. They have the same Holy Spirit teaching them. So they're, they're, they're of one accord. They're in complete agreement with the glorious truth that, that Jesus Christ is our sovereign creator, that he's God in the flesh. The one who spoke everything into existence. Just by the word of his mouth. What power he has. We know from John 17, our study there, that he has all power. It's been given to him by the Father. All power. So who are they approaching in prayer here? They're approaching the throne of grace, aren't they? The same throne we go to where we find grace to help in time of need, don't we? And that's Christ. We're, we're, we're approaching Christ. There's only one mediator between, between God's people, God's people and God himself, and that's Christ Jesus our Lord, right? There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Gave himself a ransom for every one of his sheep, didn't he? So that not one would be lost. Praise God. Praise his mighty name. So they were praying to Jesus who had hung on that cruel cross. Paying the price for their redemption. By the shedding of his precious, precious blood. And not only their redemption. But the redemption of all the elect through all the ages. Oh my. Brother Jim, any marvel were included in that number? That's amazing, isn't it? We're included in that number by the grace and mercy of God. I love that psalm, praise God, he included me. You like that? Isn't that wonderful? Oh my, it's just, it's amazing. And, and our Lord, when we, when we saw that he created the heaven and earth, he didn't need no counselor, he didn't need no help, did he? He didn't need no one. Listen to what Revelation 4.11 says. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you know even we were created for the Lord's pleasure? Isn't that amazing? Do you know that God's people are jewels in his eyes? And jewels in his crown? My, you feel like a jewel? Well, we don't, do we? But we are. Oh, it's amazing, I'll tell you. Now let's read verses 24 to 31 again. And note our brethren in the text adored the supremacy and greatness of our Lord. Look how they adored the supremacy and the greatness of our Lord. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. Oh, they're just going to magnify his supremacy here, his, his, his sovereignty, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, or and all that is yeah, in, the, in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, <coughs> that being the Romans, but any Gentile too, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. See, they couldn't do anything outside God's permissive will. Isn't that interesting? And they couldn't do anything outside of God's permissive will. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now, remember what they're, what they're alluding here to is the fact that they were threatened twice to not preach Christ anymore. And now they're praying for boldness, which every gospel preacher preaches, prays for and, and pray for that for us because we need, we need boldness. And only God can give that. That they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal. 
that signs and wonders may be done in the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, and they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Look at that. My, do you know the psalmist wrote this? Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and the earth and the seas and all the deep places. That's Psalm 135.6. Do you know God's still doing that? Whatever he pleases? You hear some people talk and God can't do nothing unless they allow him to. Well, let me tell you, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible does whatever he pleases. I'll read that again. Whatsoever the Lord pleased. And think of this. It pleased God to save us. If you're a believer, it pleased God to save you. That's amazing. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in the earth, in the seas and all deep places. And in Psalm, if you want to turn here, Psalm 115. Let's turn there quick. Psalm 115. It's a beautiful portion of scripture. Psalm 115. Tell you a little story about this. Friend, a preacher friend of mine. His son had just been killed. An accident at his work. And some guy came up to him and said, where's your God now? Could you imagine that? His son had just been killed minutes before. You talk about hate for God's preachers. And this guy said, come up and said, where's your God now? And this is the very answer he gave him right here, he told me. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. This was my buddy's answers. answer right here. But our God is in the heaven, heavens, and he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. That's the God of the Bible. Does it sound like he needs his arm twisted? Does it even sound like man can twist his arm? You know, we get together and we pray and we say, Lord, if it be your will, we ask him to heal someone, we ask him, but if it be thy will. We're not, get, we're not doing that to twist God's arm. A lot of people in religion, they think, well, if we gang up on God, and he, he'll change his mind. No. That's just so foolish. Just lift it up. Lift up the person, lift up the situation, say, Lord, if it be thy will, please, I beg you, if it be your will. See, that's just submitting to our king, isn't it? That's submitting to him. That's, that's submitting our life to him. That's submitting our family to him, our friends. Our, we just give them all to him. And he can do whatever he pleases. Oh, our prayer that, that is that God would even give, give people as this message goes forth. Give them the grace to embrace Christ. To embrace these truths, right? And trust Christ. The only Savior for sinners. My. This God-honoring truth. Our Lord Jesus Christ does whatever he pleases. And it's all for his good pleasure. All things were created by him for his good pleasure. And he does whatever he, whatever he wants. All things are working together for the good. For his people. We don't understand. We don't understand. I remember Sister Marge talking to me about the cancer she had. And she said, Wayne, I thank God for it. It brought me closer to Christ. My. That's amazing. That's grace, right? That's grace given. And, and don't worry. You think, I don't have that grace. If you need it, God will give it. When you need it. When you need it, he'll give it to you. He will. He'll give it to his people. So this prayer is recorded for our learning. And we see that they're, uh, the, the blood-washed children of God, those being redeemed by the blood of Christ, they're giving all the glory to God, aren't they? Let's read verses 25 to 26 now. Now they're going to quote David. And, and, and think of this glorious truth. The, 
The Holy Spirit moved Luke to pen these words. Because Luke clearly stated that God is the one who spake by the mouth of his servant David. Look at what it says here. And that who refers back to the Lord Jesus Christ who made heavens and earth. And by the mouth of David, the same Holy Spirit made David say these words. So the, the same Holy Spirit made Luke write these words down for our recorded, to be recorded. And the same Holy Spirit is the one who gave David these words. Isn't that wonderful? Look what it says here. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagine vain things. So, look at that. The kings of the earth stood up against, against, stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. They're against his Messiah. The kings of the earth stood up against him. Didn't want nothing to do with him. And this prayer of the early New Testament saints clearly points out that the sufferings of Christ Jesus our Lord was purposed by God, was prophesied by God, and was executed by God. It happened all according to his will and purpose. I, I heard, I was talking to a fellow yesterday, a good friend of mine. He said, well, you know, if the, if the Jews had have accepted Christ, and then everything else would have fallen into place, and I said, God didn't go to plan B, my friend. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, it was always God's will and purpose that the gospel would go to the Gentiles. I said, I used to believe that. But there's no plan B in God's purpose. Christ was sent into this world to save sinners, wasn't he? Jews and Gentiles, right? The gospel must go forth from Jerusalem into the world, right? It has to. There's no plan B. God has a people in Israel, and God has a people in the Gentiles, both Jew and Gentile, and they're called the body of Christ. Isn't it wonderful? And praise God. If you're one of them, it's all according to God's purpose and plan. Oh, my. It's wonderful. My. So the same Holy Spirit of God moved David to speak these words, and then the saints in our text, now they're quoting that. Now they're quoting those words in application to the Lord Jesus Christ. So David spoke of Christ. He spoke of the Messiah. His hope was the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was hoping in the Messiah, wasn't he? Well, who's the Messiah? It's the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It's wonderful. So this shows us plain proof that our God is sovereign over the Old Testament saints and over the New Testament saints. He, he's sovereign over everything, isn't he? Oh, my. And let us praise God for how uniformly these holy men of, of old, both in their prayers to the Lord and their conversation with men, always kept in view the Lord's purpose and decrees. Always kept that in, in, in mind concerning the redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the threatening which they went through earlier. They said, you're not, the, you're not the preach. You're not the preach Christ anymore. And then Peter said, well, who do we, who do we obey, God or you? And then they said, you're not the preach Christ anymore. And then they released them. They couldn't hold them because God, in his sovereign plan and purpose, they were going to be released, weren't they? <coughs> oh, it's wonderful to see God's plan and purpose working out right before us in the text. That's why I love this book of Acts, because we're going to see we're going to see the church in action. But we're going to see the unfolding of God's plan and purpose. It's absolutely wonderful. So these courageous men and women kept their eye of faith on their new master. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we see they're all of one accord. They bowed down to, to God's sovereign purpose and will, placing their complete trust in him, just as we do, by the grace of God. Now let's read verses 24 to 28. 
And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that, that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined to be done. So again, we see the saints acknowledging that Christ is God. They, they, we see the saints bowing down to God's sovereign purpose because they say, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. They're bowing down to God's sovereignty in their lives, which is what we do by the grace of God. <clears throat> and these men and women confidently believe that both, both their enemies were completely, totally, absolutely in the hands of God. You ever think of that? The enemies of God's church are in God's hands. They can't do anything unless he allows it. Nothing. They may roar for a while, and then he's going to put them away. But there's a purpose in that roaring, isn't there? Oh, they said, crucify him, crucify him. They hung him on a cross. Thought, we killed him now. He cried, it is finished. And he rose again the third day for our justification. Heaven redeemed his people from all their sins by the shedding of his precious blood. And our sins were imputed to Christ and his perfect righteousness is imputed to us. Praise be to God. They were doing what God determined before to be done and they didn't even know it. Isn't that amazing? Do you know God uses the wicked to, to accomplish his own purpose? He's not the author of sin. Sin's in us. How do I know that God uses the, the, the operations of the wicked to accomplish his purpose? Look what Joseph's brothers did to him. And he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Look at those folks saying, crucify him, crucify him. They took him by wicked hands, it says. They crucified him. They nailed him to that tree. And he gave up the ghost, willingly gave up his life. But look what happened at Calvary's cross. The redemption of all the elect of all the ages. God meant it, for, or men meant it for evil, but God turned it out for good, didn't he? For our good, brother, eh? Oh, my! Behold the wonder-working, sovereign God of the universe, beloved. Behold him. Working all things out according to his purpose and plan. Nothing escapes his absolute rule. Again, the purpose of God is the salvation of his people by his dear son. And remember that our sovereign God, he, can, he controls the rage of the ungodly. You imagine what it would be like if God didn't restrain the ungodly? You imagine what it would be like if God didn't restrain us? Now consider these words. Look at these words in verses 27 and 28. For a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. All these ungodly people, Herod, he was a king in Israel, Pilate was a Roman governor, <clears throat> the Gentiles, all the Roman soldiers, the Jews who were gathered together against Christ, the unbelieving Jews. And we see that God 
himself spoke through the mouth of David that there was a day coming when he would gather together, them all together. And this truth was prophesied in Psalm 2. Listen to what happens and what is proclaimed in Psalm 2, verses 4 to 6, right after these other things are, are proclaimed. Scripture says, He that sitteth in heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision, which means scornfully mocks them. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon thy holy hill of Zion. And that's Christ. Christ is set, right? Christ is preached right now. Christ is being preached and, and wherever a faithful gospel preacher is preaching the gospel. Christ being set, he's being set high up, right? Oh my. In wicked hands, again, crucified the Lord of glory. They were full of uncontrollable hate against the Lord Jesus Christ. And our heavenly Father delivered his Son into their hands for the salvation of our souls. That's what he did. He delivered his son up to save us from our sins by the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they mocked Christ. They mocked the creator. They spit in his face. They scourged him. They nailed him to that shameful cross and they killed the prince of life. Scripture says that. But we see here in that these early New Testament saints, they lifted up their voice in one accord in prayer, saying that these ungodly men, they were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. <laughs> and that worked out for our salvation, didn't it, beloved? Man meant it for evil, and God turns it for good. And I'll tell you what, there ain't a saying of God who won't say, that, that worked out for my good. They killed my Savior, but he saved my soul. Praise his mighty name. What, what love drove him to that cross, beloved, for his people. What love. My. God's decrees from eternity. There is nothing God decrees from eternity there is nothing that comes to pass in time but what he has determined before to be done. Either by the Jews or the Gentiles or by Herod or Pontius Pilate. It all happened according to the secret will of God. Remember he made a covenant with Christ. The council of peace was between them both. Our peace with God comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? There's no other way we have peace with God except through Christ and his shed blood. And what these wicked men did, God designed for good. And hereby bought the redemption and the salvation of a number that no man can number. That now sing in heaven, and when we, we go to glory, we're singing in heaven, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive Glory and honor and power and blessing. Why? Because he saved us from our sins, beloved. And we're going to shout in glory. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, my. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Just one book over. Romans chapter 5. Oh, my. Oh my, look at this, verse 8 to 10. Look at this. But God commanded his love toward us. Paul called us the ungodly a few chapters back. He said Christ gave his life for the ungodly. Look at this, isn't this wonderful? God commanded his love. Well, his love is, his love is manifest in the death of Christ on Calvary's cross for us, isn't it? That's the greatest manifestation of love this world has ever seen. But God commanded us to love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, we weren't even born yet. 
But God knew we were going to be born. We're being born sinners, right? Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by what? What's it say there, beloved? His blood. His blood. That was shed for us. We shall. There's that little, there's that little word. It's not maybe. It's definitive, isn't it? We shall be saved from wrath through him. We will never face the wrath of God, beloved, because it fell upon Christ in our room and place. Amen. Praise the Lord. He is so good. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. Right? By his life. Remember, he lived the perfect life. Fulfilled the law of God for us, beloved. And shed his precious blood to justify us before God. And all we can say is hallelujah. What a savior is Jesus Christ our Lord. My, oh my, he's amazing. So let we who are the redeemed of God rejoice. God has not changed. And he never will. He can't. He can't. And I love that little word, shall. We're seeing it everywhere, aren't we? We're seeing it. What a word, shall. I love it. It's popping up everywhere in my studies now. <laughs> oh, my. My, oh, my. Our Lord is on the throne of power. That's where he is right now. And these early New Testament saints, they are acknowledging that, aren't they? They're giving glory to the only one who's worthy of glory. The only one who's worthy of praise. So let we who are the redeemed of the Lord pray in the same manner. Oh, when we realize that the risen Christ of God, the very one who we love and worship, the true and living God that we bow down to in prayer, has an eternal will and a purpose which is being carried out right now, still today. And will be until the day the last sheep is saved. And then it's all over, right? Then it's all over, beloved. Do we have physical problems? Yep. Some of our dearly loved brethren going through cancer. Or pains from recent surgeries. Memory loss. Financial struggles. Anxiety. Depression. Or anything else pertaining to the flesh. We have, we have the same problems that people in the world have, don't we? But let we who are the redeemed of the Lord place our complete trust, no matter what we're going through, in Jesus Christ our Lord. And rest in the fact that he is absolutely sovereign. I'll tell you. What joy floods my soul when I know that not even a bird falls to the ground. Anywhere in this world. Places I've never been, and you've never been. And not a bird falls to the ground without him knowing. Not a speck of dust floats in the air without him knowing. That's our Savior. That's our Redeemer. Let us rejoice in him. And let us keep this fact, knowing that our risen Savior still rules and reigns over this whole universe and everything in it. Let us, let us just pray to him for grace and peace and comfort in our times of troubles. Now let's read verses 29 to 30. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. We see in the early New Testament that the saints knew that Christ Jesus was their protector. They knew this, that he was able to subdue their enemies. They're asking him to subdue their enemies. Oh, my. Who were, who were the Lord's enemies? Well, those who had threatened them were. And, you know, our Lord is able to subdue all our enemies, no matter what they are. He subdued our biggest enemy, didn't he? Sin. Right? One day he's going to take it away from us. 
We're never going to sin again when we get the glory. My, oh my. My. So look what these faithful Christians pray. Grant thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And I, I don't believe there's a greater honor than preaching God's word. I, I, I'll tell you what. Gene Harmon, preacher, friend of mine, said I'd have to step down to be president of the United States. I believe that. It's an honor to preach God's word. I don't take it lightly. It's an honor. But it's also a great honor that is bestowed upon chosen congregations. All of us who have been called out of darkness under the preaching of the gospel of God's free grace to support the preaching of our Lord's gospel what, with our time, with our gifts, with our talents, with our money, with our prayers. I covet your prayers, beloved. I covet your prayers. More than anything, please pray for me. We, we preachers need your prayers. And, and we, we who are the people of God, we need the saints praying for us, don't we? Pray for one another. Oh, just lift one another up. And we see that these early New Testament saints also prayed for manifestation of our Lord's power under the preaching of the gospel by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now during the apostolic age, the preaching of the gospel was accompanied by physical healings and many signs and wonders to prove that those who preached the word of God were sent by him. And these early saints did not have the New Testament. And those who preached the true gospel, they had the Old Testament, didn't they? They preached from the scriptures, didn't they? They preached from the Old Testament, beloved. And they used these holy scriptures to point their hearers to Christ. But during that transition period, from Judaism to Christianity, our Lord confirmed his gospel message by the power in healing and by performing many signs and wonders. But beloved, we don't need signs and wonders anymore. You know why? Because we have his word. We have his word. Now, does God still do miracles? Absolutely, doesn't he? Every time he saves a, a lost person, that's a miracle, isn't it? That's a miracle. It's a miracle to me. It was a miracle to you. <laughs> God saved me. And God still does heal, doesn't he? According to his will, right? He still does that. My, but we don't need signs and wonders. We have a complete Bible now. The writers of the New Testament revealed the, the truths of the gospel that were written by the writers of the Old Testament as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. And the same Spirit had, had Peter and James and John and Paul pen the words that they, they penned. Now this, this does not mean that the preaching of the gospel isn't accompanied by our Lord's sovereign power because if our preaching isn't made effectual by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, then no one will be delivered from the prison house of sin. I can't save anyone. My words can't save anyone. But God, the Holy Spirit, can use the preaching of his gospel to save sinners. And he does so by his amazing grace and power. My. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God. It's, it's the dynamite of God in the Greek. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God-given faith. We live by God-given faith, beloved. And we see that the members of the early New Testament church closed their prayer with these words, by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They prayed, the Lord protect us from our enemies. Grant thy servants boldness to preach your gospel. Place your healing hand upon those who you are pleased to heal. Perform signs and wonders all by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thy holy child, Jesus. And we're going to close. I'm just going to read verse 31 and we're going to be done. 
And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. My. Gracious, gracious Heavenly Father. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saving the souls of your people, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us as you taught these New Testament saints that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Revealing him to us. As Joseph revealed himself to his brethren, we thank thee, Lord Jesus, you've revealed yourself to us. Oh, we pray that as the messages go forth from this place that you would use them to draw on your lost sheep. There is no room for boasting, Lord, except to boast in thee. And we seek to glorify you and honor you and praise you in all that we say and do here. Thank you for giving us this place to gather. Thank you for having us be able to gather in freedom without fear of any repercussions. But Lord, you know that even if there was repercussions, we'd still gather together. We'd still seek to worship you and praise you for the wondrous salvation that you've wrought in us, for us, by thy perfect sin atoning work. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. And let us marvel that we love you only because you first loved us. In Jesus' name.